Welcome to Future of Work, a series exploring the revolutionary trends, technologies, and mindsets that are shaping the way we approach the workplace. So no matter where you're working from or what your role is, pull up a chair and join us as we talk about the future of work. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing from Muriel Clausen, the CEO and co-founder of Anthill. Anthill's a talent software that helps companies connect with, understand, develop, and retain their most difficult to reach workers. As an active and respected researcher on both the future of work and artificial intelligence, Muriel has advised former ambassadors, prime ministers, and even presidents on their future of work policies. Given her vast knowledge and experience in this space, Muriel brings a unique perspective on how companies can better connect with employees that don't spend their workdays behind a desk. Okay, so uh, let's jump right in, Muriel. You're obviously very well educated and experienced when it comes to the future of work and how companies can position themselves in this new way of working. I'm curious, what ultimately led you to create Anthill? Yeah, so the part of the future of work I get most excited about is supporting what we call deskless workers. They make up 80% of the global workforce. Um, they are people who typically work in jobs like manufacturing, supply chain, people who don't sit at desks or computers. Um, the reason I've been passionate about this group for a long time is I grew up around these people. I grew up in Alaska. Okay. Um, and then it was many years later that I met my co-founder, Young Jay, in our PhD program. And we started doing some research and digging into um, kind of like different future of work topics. And one thing that kept coming up for both of us is just how overlooked this population is in research, but also in products that are on the market. Uh, we saw across like thousands of these studies on what is the work experience like for workers, less than 2% of the people um, who'd been surveyed actually worked in deskless jobs, even though it's 80% of the workforce. And for, for a very good reason, a lot of the software that was being built um, to support workers, it's really been designed for employees who sit at computers for obvious reasons. Software works well with a computer. Um, and we knew that these workers, you couldn't just take the same software you give to knowledge workers, slap it into an app, and say, here you go, deskless workers, now we have support for you, um, that there's really unique needs of this workforce. And so we started Antel because we were passionate about providing that support that deskless workers needed and help them have as much kind of possibility in their career as their knowledge worker peers. That is that is so cool. So I, I love when, when people start companies because of something that they have seen in their own lives. It's something almost bigger than themselves that they want, they want to solve. That's, that's really, really cool. I'm curious, you know, obviously in with, with deskless workers, right. It's, it's, um, it's an area that, uh, also has been impacted by the pandemic and, and everything that's going on there. What, what changes have you seen for, for those types of people and those jobs and those companies relative to what it was like pre pandemic now in this new way of working? Is it different or maybe it's still the same? I'm genuinely, you know, I'm, I'm curious. I love that question. So a fun thing I like to, to do with people is to say, like, I mean, everyone in the world started working from home during the pandemic. Do you know anyone in the world who didn't do that? People would be like, yeah, it was the whole world that worked from home. But actually, 2.5 billion people globally never worked from home. And they never will because their jobs don't happen at computers. They don't happen at desks. So they can't. Um, and I think that one of the most um, stark things about this workforce, when you look at it in the context of the pandemic, 
is that a lot of their experience didn't change. There were extra risks. There were suddenly leadership teams that weren't as accessible because they weren't there on site. But a lot of their day-to-day didn't change. And I think that the fact that it didn't really um, shone a light on how kind of critical these jobs are, but also how much we need to modernize um, the ways that we support them. Um, Because uh, for a lot of companies, you know, the HR services that they were offering to this workforce because they didn't have software or anything kind of to scale their efforts was, hey, there's an HR person in the office walk on by and knock if you have a question, but what happens then when that HR person is working from home? So um, we saw a lot of companies both simultaneously seeing the challenge a lot more starkly, like, oh, we don't actually have a way to really even communicate with this population. Um, But then also seeing the importance of doing so more starkly, like, wow, these people are out there. They're keeping our world moving. Look how important our supply chain is. And then wanting to kind of invest more in this population. So I think the investment we've seen over the last 20 years in knowledge workers is extending into this new chapter of really investing in deskless workers. And I'm excited because I think that's real inclusion if we're bringing these people into the fold. What's fascinating about kind of what you just said is that essentially these are essential workers. You know, 2.5 billion people, they were considered essential workers and they had to continue working despite the risks. And I think the pandemic has given an opportunity, I would say, um, for employers, for organizations to really practice what they preach, I guess you could say. You know, do they really put their people first? Do they, you know, do they, it's, it's, you have to be more intentional in kind of this new way of working. And there's a very a, a really hot topic and you know the great resignation a lot of people are talking about it and I'm curious what can companies do what can organizations do what have you seen others do that have helped retention stay high what can they do to to keep these uh, these employees as opposed to letting them go to other companies where maybe maybe they feel more valued or or whatnot yeah I love that question because uh, right now if you read most articles about the great resignation, the tips and tricks to retain the workforce are really for uh, knowledge workers. They're really based in things we've learned from research with that population. And it's really different when you look at the deskless workforce. One of the main reasons that deskless workers turn over is actually miscommunication. They did not know they had a shift and they're marked absent. Then it's considered a turnover case. Like really simple, solvable issues like that. Um, other ones are just practical concerns. I didn't have safety equipment. I wasn't able to get time off and I'm a caregiver to family members. I wasn't paid enough or I was even more importantly, I wasn't paid on time. A lot of of these workers are working paycheck to paycheck. If there's a delay in a payment system, that's detrimental to that worker. Um, So these are just practical things that companies, I think, want to do a lot more around. But it really starts first and foremost with better communicating with this workforce, understanding where those challenges are. And we can't really do it in the ways we've typically talked to employees about the challenges. But I think one thing I say when I work with companies on this topic is like, you have to work so hard to do a better job retaining your office knowledge workers. Like you're going to have to work so hard because they've already had a ton of support and there's been a ton of investment. You've got to like do all this deep culture work and all these really elaborate things. But with your deskless workers, like they're asking for so little um, really, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, and it can make such a difference in their lives. So I think there are really clear jumping off points of just like, make sure there's a clear communication pathway so that workers know when they're supposed to be working or how to get paid on time or some of these basic things. Um, but then also 
um, recognize like if they don't have a way to tell you that there's a safety incident or things like that, that is going to cost you so much more money than, um, than you realize. And so make sure they have a way to share that. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that that's, it's interesting that you, you said like it, they ask for so little, like the, it, it seems to me that the ROI is really high, right? The opportunity there is really high for companies to, to do some of those things that it sounds like are, are pretty, uh, pretty low lifts, I guess you could say, but, but really help, uh, help be beneficiaries of, of the current time period that we're in and some of the things that are happening. Well, and I'll give you a couple of just examples just to drive it home. Like a lot of times, um, companies really want to do the right thing too. I'm not trying to demonize the companies because I think they just don't know what these things are, but like two real examples we saw is one, there was like a water fountain that had been broken in a, fa- a factory for forever. And the water in the vending machine cost a lot of money. People didn't have places to refill their water bottles. It's hot. So people were just like, please just repair the water fountain. I mean, that's pretty basic. The company probably is more than happy to do that, but they have to know that issues there. And that's why you have to be talking to people and you have to give them a way to share this feedback. Um, another one is just like another factory location where just the, the thermostat wasn't set at a comfortable temperature and people were feeling ill and people were, you know, had heart problems and like the temperature was just too high for the workers and they weren't able to work hard. That's a simple fix. It's a lot cheaper to pay for a little more air conditioning than have an entire factory walk out on you. So these are, these are simple things, but you need to have a way to hear them. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes sense. You've obviously been working with companies that are tackling these problems all day, every single day. Um, I'm curious if you have any kind of best practices or advice for companies that that are trying to figure this out. Maybe they haven't had a ton of success. They're trying to figure out how to communicate more effectively. They want to they want to meet their employees where they're at and, and solve some of these problems. What would you recommend as the course of action for these companies to to, to position themselves where, where truly they, they want to be? But the path is a little bit murky. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, I first and foremost, any company we chat with, the first thing I say is I recognize this has been hard. Like there really hasn't been been a scalable way to reach employees who aren't on email, aren't at computers, um, because a lot of these employers aren't going to download and use apps on their phones. So what are you, where are you supposed to start? Um, what, what we usually say though, is I think companies have to realize that there's some basic needs that have to be met first before you can kind of get to that next level that you want to go to, especially in a lot of kind of modern HR teams. Um, and the first one is really like, you have to have some form of open two-way communication with your workforce. Um, they will tell you <laughs> what they need. And, and, and um, half the time though, it's just access to information. So it's not necessarily like, oh, let me complain about things and hear your thoughts back. It's literally just, hey, where can I find this thing I'm trying to do? Where can I report an absence? Where can I... Um, access payroll? Where can I see if I'm entitled to benefits? If you're not somebody who lives and works on a computer, you often don't have access even to the portals to do these things. You might not even know they're available to you. So just giving access to these systems to everyone equally so that everyone knows the, the information they need to know, and then giving them a place to kind of communicate and raise their voice. So that's like the baseline we work with first and foremost with companies with Antil. Once you've opened up communication with your workforce, though, there's really cool things you can do with machine learning to learn a lot of information from very little inputs. Um, And then that's what we do kind of for levels two and three when we work with companies is like, 
let's really dig in on retention and starting to understand how to engage this workforce. But then um, another layer for this workforce that's critical is understanding their skill sets. A lot of these workers don't have resumes. So we'll go to companies that are like, oh, we desperately need to hire forklift operators. And then we're able to say, well, look, 13 of your picker packers have their forklift certification. They can do it. You already have that talent here. But a company won't know this if you're not able to talk to your people, get this data that helps you make these strategic decisions. So layer one, communication and information access. Layer two, starting to actually hear about their experiences, understanding the needs of that workforce. And then layer three, actually understanding um, and making strategic decisions around kind of your bench strength of your workforce. Seems that Anthill is a very great place to start for, for companies that are trying to tackle this because you guys have this broken down in, into different modules, which I think is, is, is so, so cool and so interesting. Um, it's, it's, it's a, a huge, clearly a huge area of the world that, um, that's also been changed dramatically from the pandemic, but maybe doesn't necessarily always get that same media attention that the other, other jobs and er, uh, areas have, but it's a, it's a huge need. And so, um, so yeah, just so fascinating to kind of see the other side or another view on, on, on another, uh, group of people whose lives have completely changed and how those problems are being solved. Um, and, and one, one last question that I, I want to ask you, we ask all our guests this before I let you go, but, um, as you look forward five, 10 years, what do you think, uh, the future of work looks like relative to now? Yeah. One thing that I really believe, and it's why I've dedicated my entire career to kind of improving the work experience um, is that when you improve people's opportunities, possibilities, and working lives, you you change families, you change generations. Um, there's a lot of data to support that. It's We spend a lot of time working. And, and so I'm excited to see more people brought into that kind of opportunity um, pathway where they where they really believe things are possible in their career, that they really kind of get access and support um, on their journeys. And I think that it, it sounds, you know, kind of fluffy and pie in the sky of like, well, what practically was, does that look like? But I really think that um, we've already proven out with a lot of kind of technologies and solutions out there that like there are ways to scale kind of like support for individual employees where you get to really individualize um, how they think about their career goals and trajectory and all those things. So when I think about what I'm most excited about for the future of work, it's, um, it's, and I'm not a big fan of technology if it doesn't make people better and position people to be better, but technologies that really empower people to get a vision for their lives and their futures and, and what they can do in their careers. Um, so I get really excited about specifically the skill part of our product longer term, I think I get excited to think about how um, workers could see a pathway and possibilities beyond where they are today. And I think there's really cool innovations happening around that in the knowledge worker space too. So I would get excited about that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I, I can, I completely, I, I personally feel like we're at the very beginning of, you know, a workplace almost revolution, right? Like I think, I think that we have so much technology that we didn't have available and the pandemic forced people to reevaluate, hey, is there a better way to work? And I think we're still we're still kind of figuring it out. And I think we'll continue to do that. And so uh, really, really excited for the next the next couple of years. I think that um, uh, potential is is so high uh, in terms of, you know, just meeting people where they're at and having 
uh, having work be better for everyone. But um, Muriel, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's honestly been amazing to, to pick your brain and just learn about, you know, deskless workers and, 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 and what they're going through and how, how life is changing for them and how it can be improved for them as well. And so I really do appreciate you coming on and, and, uh, and chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you so much. And I love what your team's working on too. So keep up the good work. Thanks for the conversation today. Awesome. Thank you so much. This series was brought to you by Tactic, the hybrid work solution of the future. Tactic will help your team enjoy all of the benefits of a flexible workplace while taking care of the less enjoyable challenges. Let's make work better together. Get your free trial today at gettactic.com forward slash future.